read today's verses, uh, Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, I believe. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of, full, of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be ch children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint when which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Dear Lord, just uh, thank you for these words. Um, thank you for the message that we're about to receive, Lord. Uh, just prepare us to, to just uh, have our cup filled this morning. Um, be with Aaron as he uh, uh, gives this message. Um, meet us where we are, Lord, and uh, Lord, just uh, help us to um, just meet you and, and just put everything down and uh, just hear what you have for us today, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Hello, church. How you doing this morning? Oh, come on. That's pitiful. I'm not even going to redo that one. We'll just say that's pitiful. We can do better than that. Hey, welcome to church. We're glad that you're here today. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Church Project. We hold the Bible in high regard and so if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles under a chair next to you, near you, or there's some over on the lamp over on your right and left side. So if you want to grab that, that would be great. We are going to cover the passage that Chad just talked about, which is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. I just need to warn you. Here's, here's the warning, okay? One, Jared was up here last week giving a message, and he did a fantastic job and so whenever you see Jared, now, now he's on vacation, he's relaxing, but whenever you see Jared next, tell him good job on the message. I, I was able to listen to that on podcast uh, down in Texas. So here's your warning. I've been off for a week, so I'm ready to go. And this passage that we're in right now is one of my favorite passages in all the scripture. So if you need to uh, kind of stretch and get ready, we're bringing the heat today. Is that Okay. Like, we're, we're going to open up the Word, because I believe God has got something for each and every one of us. I know He does if our hearts and our mind are open for this. So, if you're listening here today, or if you've been listening in the future on the podcast, we want to welcome you, and I pray that the Spirit's going to teach you some important, important things today. As we get into this passage, uh, I, I just want to jump right into it, because I think God is going to teach us some amazing things if our hearts and our mind is ready for it. So as we opened up and we looked at verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I, I, I want to 
just pause and I, and I want to say this, just right off the very beginning as we jump into this passage, that do you know that you're a masterpiece? Do you know that you are finely purposed and handcrafted and you have the DNA that God has given you on purpose? Do you know that? Do you know this about yourself? All the makeup of who you are is on purpose and God crafted you to be that way. As Paul is writing this letter, He's writing to new Christians. He's writing to the people of Ephesus. And he's writing them and he's saying, hey, listen, you Christians, remember, grow up in Christ. He's saying, grow up in Christ. Remember that thing that you started back here when you said, I know who Jesus is and I became a Christian. He says, remember this, grow up in Christ and keep him the foremost of your thoughts and of your actions. It is about Christ. It's always about Christ and it will forever be about Christ. And Paul is writing the Ephesians and he's saying, hey, new Christians, grow up and stay rooted in who Jesus is. He's not writing as like this authoritative person that's far removed and sinless. No, he's writing as a human. He's writing in in a house arrest in Rome. And he's writing and he's saying, what here in verse 7, what does he say? But grace was given to each one of, what does your Bible say? Us. He's saying it was given to each one of us according to the measure of who? God's gift. So according to God's gift, this grace, grace was given to each and every one of us. This is the first person plural, us. It shows that Paul himself is included in this process by which the whole church is built into unity. And this whole passage we're talking about is about the unity of the church. And Paul's saying, I am one of us. And it is because of God's grace that we're here right now. Grace was given to the Apostle Paul as he wrote this for a very specific reason. And if you look, it was given for his ministry to the Gentiles. Just as grace has been given to each and every one of us to benefit the whole body at large. See, without God's grace on Paul's life, this letter isn't written to to tell people and remind people of God's love. And God has uniquely gifted us, each and every one of us. As believers, as followers of Christ, he's put his DNA in us, and he says, I've given you my grace, and it's for purposes that are going to blow your mind. And it's going to blow your mind that as we move together in unity as a church, we're going to represent God in every place that we go. So Paul's writing, he's saying, it is for every single one of us. Verse 7, it's a... It's a, a uh, Let's start it over. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. You see that? Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Then it gets to verse 9 and says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascends far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And in verse 11, it says, And he, and who? And he gave the apostles, the, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers. If you'll notice here, in just those verses that we read, verse 7 talks about God's gift. Verse 8 talks about he gives the gift. Verse 11 talks about what? 
he who gave. Just in these verses from 7 to 11, just in those, and you can underline it, you can test me, I may have counted them wrong, but just in those verses from 7 to 11, he, referring to Christ, occurs nine times. What do you think this passage is about? What do you think it's about? Nine times he, Christ, it it goes back to all this, all of God's grace, this unity in the church, everything about this is because of who and from who? Him, Jesus Christ. And Paul is writing these new Christians, and he's writing to us through time and space, and he's saying this, he's saying, remember, stay grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. He's given you his DNA, and it's about him, for him, and from him. And church, let's move together in unity not dissension. I thank Paul for writing this message, especially as a pastor of a church. Man, we, <laughs> we can sure fight. And we, we, do it, we do it in cool ways. We do it in prayer requests. Or we do it in like, I have a concern, brother. Or we do what, we can sure fight amongst each other, can't we? If you've grown up in church any amount of time, you know that there can be dissension in these pews. You can be dissension. There can be dissension in our relationships. But Paul is reminding us, stay, stay focused on Christ and who he is and keep the main thing the main thing. We can easily get distracted, church. It's sad that on our little business cards that we don't have in our, our chairs right now, but it's sad that on the back of our business cards, we have to tell a society in the year 2015 that we're here to change the way people see Christ Christians in the church. It's pitiful that we're in a society where that's one of the things that we as a church have to say is, church, we know you've been hurt, but we want to change that. See, if we would have been following what Paul said, we would have unity in the church. I I want to give you an illustration. Now, go with me on this one, okay? All this is, this grace was given to us, every single one of us, these talents, these abilities, you sit where you sit because God crafted you the way that you are. And, and he's using each and every one of us to move together and to serve his church on purpose. So I remember I was in maybe third grade, and my dad gave me an empty toolbox for Christmas, a craftsman toolbox. Now, I didn't want a stinking toolbox. I think I wanted like a remote control car or something fun, maybe candy, something but a toolbox? Are you kidding me? It's one of those where if you've ever opened a present and you have to act happy, anyone ever done that? That's me. I'm opening up this toolbox. I'm like, wow, neato. Thanks, Dad. I can put my toys in it or something. Like, I got this toolbox. It didn't really make sense as to why I got the toolbox until the following Christmas. Then I got a hammer. And then the following Christmas... I got screwdrivers. Then the following Christmas, you know what I'm saying. Now I have this craftsman toolbox that is full of like every tool I could possibly need. But it started a long time ago and was added every, every year until this toolbox was built. I look at this sorry illustration that I just gave us. And I say, we are that. Well, I'm not saying we're tools. <laughs> but we are that. Like, each and every piece of us goes together, and it makes sense when it's all put together. Like, some of us, we're going to have skills and talents that I don't have, and I'm going to have skills and talents that you don't have, and God's gifted me a way that he might not have gifted you, and every single one of us are made on purpose, and God has got a very specific plan for our life. 
And as a church, we get to move together in unity as we each serve each other. That's beautiful. So we're looking at this passage. We're hearing Paul talk and reminding us to stay focused on Christ, to stay rooted in Christ. And when we do, we're going to be uniquely serving each other. And we're going to move together in unity. Then we get to verses 8 through 10. Uh, let, let's, let's read those again. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. Look at that word, captives. I don't know about you, but I remember what it was like before Christ. Paul's referring to um, Psalm 68, 18 here. And in Psalm 68, 18, he's quoting the Old Testament and holding high importance to what it says. And in Psalm 68, 18, he says, when you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. What's interesting is we continue through our passages today, verses 8, 9, and 10. You see again, he, 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 Christ, Jesus Christ, stay rooted in who he is. He, he, he led the captives, and he, he, he what? He gave gave grace, and he, he, what? He gives gifts to each and every one of us. Jesus leads humanity to life. He is sovereign. He is in control. And ultimately, his love is saying, follow my leading. Before Christ, I was a sheep headed to slaughter. And I was a captive. Now in Christ, by the way, if you haven't thought about this lately, maybe you should. You should sit up in your seat. You can lock eyes with Jesus because now in Christ I am a conqueror. I am equipped to charge hell itself. I am uniquely gifted, wonderfully made. A few years ago, I went through a little crisis of Aaron Havens. I won't tell you how it came about because it's kind of gross, and I've already gone south on one of my illustrations. So I'll just say this. I went into a crisis mode where I was looking around and I was trying to come up with words that would describe me, what I've done, who I am, what I might possibly do. I went around to other people and I began to ask them, what do you see in me? Like, just give me specific words. I had a list of words, a hundred words where I was trying to put them together and praying, saying, God, who's Aaron Havens, what he's been, what he, who he is, what he will be, and, and a lot of prayer, a lot of time. Like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been through this, but for some reason, I needed two words. And I, and I just went for it. I prayed for it. And after a lot of prayer, I came up with two words, growth instigator. And I was like, okay, that's cool, growth instigator. And it wasn't until even, even a few years later that it's really starting to make sense to me that I love to spur on people to love and good deeds. I love to start things and be a part of things, whether it's people, places, and things, and instigate growth in organizations or in people or in lives. And Jesus, all along, has equipped me to do this very, very thing. Jesus set me free, and I was a captive. And now, as Paul said earlier in these passages, if you want to look back, he says, I am a prisoner to this message. I can't help but share this message everywhere that I go. And as we talk about Jesus here in these verses, how he descended, well, what descent does the text refer to? 
It could be multiple of things. A descent into Hades, Christ's descent at his incarnation, or the descent of the exalted Christ in the spirit. Who knows what it means? It's a very mysterious passage. Find some commentaries and go for it. Dig into it. It'll, it'll drive you crazy. Try it. I guarantee it. it'll drive you crazy. Go ahead and dig into it. But here's the fact. Christ fills the universe. He fills the universe, not in some semi-physical sense, but by his mighty rule over all things, even death itself. He's descended. He's ascended. He is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is King of all. Let's get to verse 11, because this is where I wanted to go. If you've, if you've been to Church Project for very long, you've heard me say this multiple of times, and it's one of the goals here, and we get to verse 11, and it says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I want to I add a little Aaron word in there, okay? He gave, he gave this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip saints for, and this is where I want to add my own words, for their own ministry. Their own ministry. The work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. What, what Paul is saying is God has equipped you, and he's equipped his church to move together in unison, and he's equipped us to encourage each other for the ministry that God's already placed in you. One of the problems with the, churches, the church in America right now is the fact that we've set up this organization or this shop to say, hello, I'm Aaron Havens. I will take care of all your needs. Hello, I am youth pastor Jeremy and Brittany Ashita, and we will raise your children. <laughs> I got some laughs out of that one. Quite honestly, hello, we are Project Kids, and we'll serve your children while you guys come to church every Sunday. It takes all of us moving in the gifts that God has equipped us to do the ministry that he's uniquely given you to do. A church. The church that's going to be alive 10 years from now is going to look way different than the church that's been operating for thousands of years. The church that's going to be alive 10 years from now is the church that's smart enough to go behind the people and say, we are the church. Now, how can we equip you to do the work of the ministry? That should get an amen. That's real good stuff right there. And we're talking a whole shift of how some of us have grown up in church and how we, we view church. The church isn't here just to serve. The church is to serve, or to serve you. The church is to equip you as you serve and you do the ministry that God's uniquely gifted you to do. The church is his instrument in carrying out his purposes for the cosmos. Like this is how Christ's good word and his love message and the gospel is going to get out. It's through the church, the people, look around, it's us. Is Greeley going to change? Is northern Colorado going to change? Yes. And how is it going to change? It's going to change because you are in the places and spaces that you are, and you represent God everywhere that you go. This is a beautiful message. Christ supplies the church with gifted ministers. He, he supplies the church with gifted ministers. And in this context that he's writing right now, he's saying, for the unity of the church, I've given specific offices 
I've given these offices, and you can look at them in verse 11, uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Why? To lead the church, to equip the saints, to equip you to do your ministry that God has equipped and grafted in you to do. These gifts were given by God, if you look in verse 11. These gifts were given by God. And why? They're for the edification of the body so we can encourage each other and move in unity and for the avoidance of false teaching. Verse 14, you can see that. It is you and I walking in who God has created us to be as we each uniquely point others to the grandness of God. That's why we're alive. We walk in relationship with people and love them, serve them, pray for them, challenge them, speak truth to them in love. And what do we do? We make disciples in all of our relationships that we have. It's a wonderful joy. If you right now are sitting like at a crossroads, like I, I was a few years ago and, go, and going, God, okay, who's Aaron Havens? Like I've grown up in church. I've done a lot of things. I've experienced a lot of good and bad. And, and I was at this crossroads of just who's Aaron Havens. And I went through my words and, and gra- grabbed the Bible and sought people and advice and prayed and all that whole thing. If you're at that spot right now, may I point you to a few things in the Bible that would be very good for you? It's, it talks about spiritual giftings and who we are. And there's others. And so let me write some or give you some to write down. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10 talks about spiritual giftings. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, spiritual giftings. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30, talks about spiritual giftings. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, what we're in right now, talks about spiritual giftings. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, talks about spiritual giftings. And I encourage you this. Go to Scripture. Go to Scripture. And seek God. Say, God, who are you? If all this is from you, for you, and about you, and I want to know who I am, may I lock eyes with you, Jesus. May I find my truth out of your words and what you're saying in Scripture. There's a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of good devotionals that you can read about the Bible teach you how to read the Bible, and I'm not knocking these things. I am saying this as a church. Do we find our identity in Jesus Christ, and do we go to his scripture for authority? If we're not, warning. We could easily be led into false teachings, which what Paul is talking about, saying stay focused on, on Christ. Church, he's saying this. Church, stay focused on Christ, and together we're going to do incredible things. That's what this passage is talking about. Verse 12 says, to equip the saints. What does that word equip mean? What do you think of when you hear the word equip? Just in your mind, to equip, it it means it has a sense, and even in the Greek, to prepare, to be prepared. Well, to be equipped or to be prepared for what? What's the purpose? So Paul says, to equip the saints, to equip them for what? For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. That's what this whole thing is about. 
That's why I stand up here and I talk a thousand miles a minute, you know. That's, that's why we have all the ministries that we do. That's why we send out our e-newsletters. That's why we do everything that we do so that as a church in Christ, rooted in him, we move together in unison for the work of the ministry. Your ministry. See, God has greatness in you. He wants to use you. God's sovereign. He's in control of everything. Absolutely. But can I put a little fire under our butts? I'm going to give us some words, some scripture. And it might not sit good with some of us. That's okay. Let's have coffee. This is a highly debated topic, and, and I don't care. Here's some scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. See if you understand the theme that I'm going to go through here, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Philippians 2.30, for he who nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. 1 Thessalonians 1.3, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.5, as for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do you see the theme? Do you see what's happening? It's not saying, hey, come to know Christ and then sit and do nothing the rest of your life. It's saying, come to know Christ and know him in such a way that you have a live relationship with him that's vibrant. God is moving in you. His DNA is in you. He's uniquely gifted you to be who you are. Why? So you could do the work of the ministry. Why? So that he is glorified in everything throughout the world. I am doing all that I can do as your pastor. I'm a weak, feeble man. I have some talents. I have a lot of downfalls. I will upset all of you at one point in time. I will let you down at one point in time. But I am doing all that I can for the work of the ministry. And my question, a very fair question is this, are you? If we're counting on filling this room because of my wonderful emails that have grammar mistakes... If we're counting on filling this room because of my vibrant personality as I go out and talk to other people, we might as well shut the shop down. It takes all of us moving together. It takes all of us being gifted. Are you a prisoner to this gospel message? Are you alive in this gospel message? Do you think of ways to promote Christ? And do you think of ways even to promote church project wherever you go? I know it's a doing message, isn't it? And I'm a little heated on this, aren't I? I've given my life for this, and I just want to ask a simple question of you. If you're here to consume, I hope you're enjoying it. But man, it's so much greater if we are serving the church, moving forward in unity, and you come alive in your giftings, May I support you in that? May we support you in that? May we celebrate you in that? As you tell others about love, the love of Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful book called uh, The Permanent Revolution by Alan Hirsch and 
Tim, somebody. And uh, this is a great book about this APES ministry. I'd encourage anyone to grab this and read this. But I, I want to read a couple things about this, okay? Um, it's, this is highlighted all over the place. It took me a long time to read this book. Uh, but I knew this passage was coming up, so I hit this book because it's just good. Um, without access to the other APES ministries that we're talking about, apostles, you know, prophets, evangelists, all those. Without access to all those other ministries, we simply cannot mature and develop. Not everyone is a teacher, but everyone is called to share what they know from the scriptures. Not everyone is a shepherd, but we are all called to care. Not everyone is an evangelist, but we are all called to share the good news. Not everyone is a prophet, but we are all called to listen to God. Not everyone is apostle, but we are all called to live a sent life. Do you get the theme of what Paul is, is saying here? He's saying it's about Christ, it's from Christ, it's for Christ. And he's uniquely gifted every single one of us to move together in unison as his church, as we do the work of the ministry, and we share share this love, gospel, life-changing message to the world at large. This is what I've signed up to give my life for. How about you? This is what God has called for me. Let's get down to verse 13, 14, 15, 16. We're going to fly through this part right here. There's a lot that we can talk about, but I I just want to point out a few things. We, in verse 13. We, in verse 14. We, in verse 15. We, as we move together in unison, Christian growth does not happen in isolation. Christian growth does not happen in isolation. In fact, if we look through church history, some of the greatest cults came about because an individual decided to interpret Scripture on their own. Now a cult is formed. Christian growth does not happen in isolation. And one thing that's disturbing that I hear, and I begin to hear it a lot more the last few years, is I'm leaving church. It hurt me. I've been wronged. I'm leaving church. Yet we sit here on Sunday morning and we say we are the church. The people are the church. Not the building, not the organization, not the structure. It takes all of us to be the church. So I'll ask a very simple question. How can we leave what we are? We can't. We can't leave ourselves. We can leave an organization or whatever, but we can't possibly leave the church. Christian growth does not happen in isolation. Here's my another terrible illustration to, to talk about this one. How many of you played, uh, let's say, football for this one? Yeah, you raise your hands. There you go. How many of you had two-a-day practices at the end of summer? Those were disgusting. Two-a-day practices... Uh, Throughout the summer, you're supposed to train in isolation on your own. How many of you actually trained in isolation on your own? I knew that two-a-day practices were coming, and I knew that the first week was going to be bad. (laughs) 
because I had not trained in isolation on my own. And so as two-a-day practices came, I spent my entire two-a-days puking and paying for not training in isolation on my own during the summer for football. Now when two-a-days were here, I had a lot of catching up to do. Because left to my own, my own I am going to go astray. I am not going to push I'm going to not train in church. As we look in verse 13, 14, 15, 16, it talks about we until we all attain, attain to the unity of the faith. We need each other as we focus on Christ and who he is. Until why? Until what? For what purpose? Until we gain the knowledge of the Son of Man. Until we know fully who Jesus is. He's in our life. He's all about us. And we are all about him. And we move together in unison in our relationship with Christ. And we move together in unison in our relationship with each other, his church, as we do the work of the ministry and we tell the world at large about his love. Verse 14 says, uh, why, why, why do we do all this? So that we may no longer, why, why, why do we do all this? Move together in unison and focus on Christ and stay in unity. Why do we do all this? So verse 14, so we may no longer be children, what? Tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We do this so we'll no longer be tossed and carried about and deceived. But rather, in verse 15, rather the church, us, we should be speaking truth in love, growing in every way, held together in unity as Christ accomplishes his work and his love messages spread throughout the world. That's all I got. Is that Okay. I really got nothing else to say. I'm done. I hope these words adequately explain the meaning of these passages. And that if you heard something that was hard to hear today, you really do hear it out of love. And it really is God just moving and prompting and spurring you on. A church that's a beautiful church is one that's supporting each other as we each do the ministry God's created in us to do. And we come alive doing it. I want to invite us right now to uh, just spend a time of reflection. Um, I'm going to ask Jeremy if you'll, you'll come up and begin to lead us in worship. If you have a, a child in, in Project Kids, would you quickly and quietly go retrieve them and come back to this morning? We're going to do communion together. Us and unity as we and us's. We have a couple areas in, in which you can, you can plug in more with our body as we move together. One is our house churches. If you're not involved in a house church, I'd encourage you to be involved in a house church. So we can move together in unison be united in the love of Christ. We can talk about scripture. And it's in our house churches really that you begin to, to come alive 
Find out how you're uniquely gifted and created. Go through some of those passages about spiritual giftings. Encourage each other to love and good deeds. Talk about scripture. Debate scripture. It's our house churches where relationships are truly happening. This monologue doesn't work. But a dialogue at house church does. Another way to dialogue and to be in relationship is, is next Sunday we're going to have a church-wide barbecue like 6 o'clock Sunday night. It's going to be great. Brisket. Thank you, Kendall. Oh, they're saying 5 o'clock. Whatever. You'll get an email. 5 o'clock, all I heard was brisket, time, irrelevant. So 5 o'clock next Sunday, another opportunity to get together. Um, yeah, let's pray. Let's just think about this for a minute. If you would, just close your eyes and close your Bible and hold out your hands. Just say, God, would you show me what it is you want to teach me today? More than anything, though, God, would you show us who you are? And would you show us the greatness of you? How you took our sin and crushed it. We deserve death. You gave us life. May we not just gloss over that. May we sit in that and realize that afresh and new this morning. The greatness as to which you redeemed us. You bought us back from the grips of death. Our sin was dark. Our sin was ugly. And you made us new because of your blood. Because of your son. And then and only then church have our identity in Christ can we begin to even imagine about what it may mean to tell someone else about this love relationship or to actually do the work of the ministry all stems from a vibrant relationship with Christ so in this place maybe some of us for the first time or, or maybe just a renewing time right now and just say, hold out your hands and say, God, I want a vibrant relationship with you. I ask for more of a relationship with you. Please take my attention off the shiny things that it's been on and may I focus on your word, your everlasting word. May I lock eyes with your face. May I study the person of Jesus Christ. May I be all about that relationship. Make me to be more like you, Christ. And maybe you're here and you just, maybe you should ask for, for dreams. Say, God, give me a dream. Give me a vision. Give me something that's huge. Put a neighbor on my heart or a coworker on my heart. Let me invite someone over to for dinner or take someone out to coffee or invite them to church project or God put a mission on my heart. Something. What are you doing? And as church, as a church, as his people right now, may we put our ears to the ground, hear where God is moving, and join him in that. So maybe just a little prayer of God. May your spirit impress on me 
how you've uniquely gift me, gifted me, designed me, and what work of the ministry you have for me. God, I'm here to serve you and the world at large. May it not be about, about me. May it be about you and your greatness and your love. Use me. Church, would you hold out your hands and just say, use me, God. Here in a minute, we're going to take communion. Right now, I'm going to invite us all, if we would, uh, just to stand. And in this place, just worship God for who He is and what He's done. In light of that, in a minute, I'll come back up here and lead us in taking communion together as, as His body. But because of God, who He is, may you worship Him in this place.